So, this is week 10 in the study of Hebrews. And we're in chapter 3. And the author has just laid out the sins of Israel in the wilderness. And is going to give us an exhortation in verses 12 and 13, as I'm going to read it today. It says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What is today? Is it today? It's today, right? So he says, encourage one another today in the word. The word for encourage there in the Greek means to exhort, entreat, comfort, and instruction. So as you can see, it has a wide range of meanings from admonishing to pleading to comforting, all of which should be done by way of instruction. These should be instructions. And what I want to do today is take a little rabbit trail, as I said, on something that is so valuable to the congregation when understood and it's given with wisdom. And it can also be extremely damaging when it's not used as God intended and without wisdom. This is actually two different things that we're going to be speaking about today. They're often confused with one another, but they are different. The first being the manifestations and gifts of the Spirit. And the second being hearing from God in prayer. Let's begin today by looking at Shaul's instructions on the gifts. We'll go to Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. It says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Messiah, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. And what I want you to note here is that he begins with this discourse on how we are all parts of one body, each of us having different purposes. We should be relying on each other. It means that these are things that he's going to talk about for the whole community. Differing gifts, when functioning together, make a complete body. He tells us of those gifts in verses 6 and 7. He says, we all have differing gifts. According to the grace given us, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. These are gifts that are spoken And we'll find some of the same things listed in Corinthians as he lists off the manifestations of the Spirit. So let's go to Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. And it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another Gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. And so these are manifestations of the Spirit. And what I want you to see, first of all, is that they're given for the common good. 
And so I want to begin with these manifestations, but we need to understand they are given to every man. Something is given to every man. Let me ask you, how many is every? Okay. Everyone who is in Yeshua's Kehillah is given these in some measure. And why for? It says to profit with all. And the Greek word there means, I put it up here for you, to carry with others, to help, be profitable, to expedite. They are things that are for the common good, valuable to all, to help all, to bring everyone together. And the other thing I want you to know is that these things are given by the Spirit today as well as in the first century. And I'm going to give you examples from Scripture in the first century on how they were used. And I'm going to give you some personal testimony to show that they're still in use today. So today I want to look at a few of these that are spoken gifts and manifestations and how we find them being operated in Scripture. Remember, Scripture has to be our final authority in everything. Everything we do should be measured by the Word of God. So let's begin with some definitions here. Because the things I want to address are things that are spoken and for the common good. And the text says this. The first one is wisdom. In the Greek is Sophia. Wisdom, broad and full of intelligence, of the knowledge of a very diverse matters. And so the Lord has given to some Sophia. In the Greek, wisdom. This is actually a supernatural wisdom given by the Spirit of God. An understanding into a situation that would bring you and the community to a correct course of action. God wants the community to make wise choices so that any course of action we take will be a blessing to Him and then He will in turn be able to bless us. So in other words, someone might receive from the Lord a word that would help the community or someone in the community to make choices that would keep the community or the person on a path that leads to blessing, to a right choice. And keep in mind, this is God's supernatural wisdom. It's not just wisdom given by man. The wisdom of men is foolishness to God. And so the wisdom we speak of here is the wisdom of God given to someone or to the community. And yes, sometimes God's wisdom sounds like foolishness, as I'm going to show you in a little while. But God's wisdom as it might seem like foolishness. It did in this case. The, the cross seems like foolishness to people. How can someone gain victory through death? It's foolish, right? Well, it's not foolish once you know Yeshua, but to the world it's foolish. The wisdom of men is foolishness. A great example of this is given in Scripture. In Acts chapter 10, Peter receives a vision. And the vision's essence is that he is not to call any man unclean. And he speaks of this to the apostles as they're making a decision about Gentiles. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 6, it says, The apostles and the elders met to consider the question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. 
God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Yeshua that we are saved just as they are. So he receives this wisdom and it's, it's applied in Acts chapter 15 when the apostles render this decision in part on Peter's vision that makes it less difficult for non-Jews coming to faith in the Messiah Yeshua to be members of the congregation. Was there wisdom in that? Well, you only have to look at history. You only have to look around you to see that there was wisdom in that, right? And that's an example of wisdom given and followed and rejecting man's wisdom. Now, wisdom is closely related to the next gift. Knowledge. Gnosis in, in Greek, and it means a deeper, more perfect and enlarged knowledge of this religion such as belongs to the more advanced. Uh, knowledge signifies in general intelligence and so forth. And while the word can mean general intelligence, that's not what we're speaking of here because the text says these are manifestations of the Spirit of God. And so we must assume that this is a supernatural knowledge. Now the interesting thing about this is as he summarizes at the end of the chapter... These two things aren't mentioned. He merely says teachers. So some have said that these are just gifts for teachers. I don't necessarily believe that. I believe that supernatural words of knowledge are given to some in the community for the benefit of all, just like it said in the text. These are for the common good. You have to keep that in mind as you go through these things, that they are for the benefit of all, which means if they are spoken in the community, they must be for the good of all. Now, I hope you understand that Yeshua, he operated in all the gifts. There was no gifts that he didn't operate in. He had them all for working fully in his life, right? And so I'm going to go to an example of supernatural knowledge given to Yeshua. John chapter 4, verse 15. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Yeshua said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true, she says, quite true. You see, this is Yeshua literally reads this woman's mail, right? He reads her diary or whatever. He receives supernatural knowledge of the circumstances in her life. And I tried to think of a current example in my life, but since this is the type of thing that I usually receive as I pray for people up here, I didn't want to give a current example because I'd be violating someone's confidence. But I often receive things like this as I pray for people in the prayer line. And I will go to the person and tell them, or sometimes it's just given to me as an understanding for how to pray for a person. The next manifestation is a prophecy, prophecy. And it means emanating from divine inspiration. Prophecy is a revelation from God that comforts, exhorts for the good of the community again. 
It may be a word that tells of something that's going to happen, a warning, a blessing. When it speaks of prophecy like this, it's not prophecy like Scripture, like Isaiah gave. There's only one Bible. It's complete work, but it's an insight into something that may happen. A great example of this is Agabus in Scripture. Acts chapter 11, verse 27 says, During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up, and the Spirit predicted a severe famine that would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did by sending gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And there's another one in Acts chapter 21, same prophet. After we had been there for a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, This is the way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Now, I want to say something. One of the things that I've often heard when people say these gifts aren't in operation anymore today. They say those who had these gifts were only those that the apostles had laid hands on. But here's a prophet. His name is Agabus. And you can read the Bible front to rear and there's no record of any apostle ever laying hands on him. And yet his prophecies are yes and amen. So those who say things like that are actually reading into the text or... Just adding to the word, both of which are sinful at best. Now, how do we know that Agabus is a true prophet? That his words are not just baloney? Well, it's easy. All you have to do is look at history. The famine happened. We can look at Acts chapter 21, the next chapter. Paul was arrested and bound, right? See, the measure of prophecy is whether it comes to be or not, right? I've heard... Many people who call themselves a prophet say things, the Lord said this, and then their prophecy doesn't come to be. So what does that make them? The other side of that coin is I've heard many prophecies that do come true. And I'm going to give you an example now from my own life. When I went to Israel, the Lord spoke to me and he said on the Temple Mount, and he said, I want you to go down this mountain and begin to preach John 4, 23. So I went down the mountain and I went home and I started a Bible study. After, however, after a while, you know, the study wasn't really growing. And so I got a little discouraged and I questioned God. And I said, and I asked him, I said, Lord, did I really hear correctly? And if I did, could you, could you give me some kind of encouragement, a sign or something? Well, a few days later, a friend of Cheryl's, Invited us, she had heard that there was going to be a prophet in a church down in Cottage Grove. She wanted to go because this prophet was going to be there. You know, I've never been much for traveling prophets and this and that, but I didn't really think much of it. But Cheryl wanted to go, and a couple others in the study that we were doing wanted to go, so we went. And they introduced this prophet, whose name I do not recall. I'd never been in the church before. I knew nothing about the church. Had to get directions to get there. Before he even started his sermon, he said, Before I can begin, the Lord said, I must call that man in the back row down here. Pointing right at me. (laughs) 
I wasn't big on this stuff, so I turned around. <laughs> right? Pointing right at me. And so, I went down there, and he said, The Lord wants you to know that your ministry has already begun. And it did, because a few months later, later, we held our first service. And a few months after that, we were in the building on Ford Parkway. And the rest is history. All right? Okay, so those are gifts for the community. And let me say, I want to encourage you to seek after these things. And if you're fearful about speaking something, then bring it to me. I'll help you judge whether it's for the community or maybe what we'll speak of next. Because next, we're going to speak of something else, something that is not for the community, but it's given to each of us. And that's the Spirit of God and hearing the Spirit of God in prayer. The Spirit of God that keeps us on the correct path. This is not always for the community, but it's for a personal admonition, a guidance, a knowledge, and an encouragement as you walk through life. It's called speaking to and listening to God in prayer. Amen? Now, it was just last week that I spoke about Israel's greatest mistake, and that was turning down hearing the voice of God. And we looked at how after asking for Moses to speak to them and not God speaking to them any longer, they made mistake after mistake after mistake all throughout their wilderness journey, culminating in their failure to enter the land and their subsequent death in the wilderness. Well, not only did Yeshua come to give us life in the world to come, but he came to restore hearing the voice of God. God told us that this is the way it was going to be as he speaks of their turning down his voice at Mount Sinai in Deuteronomy chapter 18. It says, The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I have commanded. And if anyone doesn't listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. And so God tells us that he's going to send a prophet like Moses who will speak his very words and that anyone who doesn't listen to him will be called to account by God himself. And we know who the prophet is, right? We know it's Yeshua. So according to this, we should be listening to Yeshua, right? Does this mean that we're only supposed to listen to the words that were written down in the Gospels that he spoke on earth? Well, let's see what Yeshua has to say about that. John chapter 10 and verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for my sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them along also. They too will listen to my voice, and they shall be one flock with one shepherd. Now notice that he says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me like I know the Father, and the Father knows me. Right? Let me ask you, what does Yeshua mean by know? I'll know. Did he say my sheep know about me? Did he say my sheep know of me because they've read the Gospels? No. He said my sheep know me. You see, I know of and about Governor Dayton, but I do not nor do I want to know Governor Dayton, right? (laughs) I know about President Obama. However, I do not want to know President Obama. I know about him, but I don't want to know him. But here Yeshua does my sheep know me. 
and they listen to my voice. You see, there is available to all who are part of Yeshua's flock the ability to hear the voice of Yeshua in your prayer closet as you walk through life. Again in chapter 10 he says, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, they shall never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. Yeshua is able to guide us through this minefield we call life and lead us to a life that is life. And he does it through his word recorded for us in the Gospels and through hearing his voice, thereby giving us the true meaning of the word, speaking to us personally about things that confront us, that can cause us to stumble, He's able to convict us. He's able to comfort us and give us joy in Him. He's able to give us insight into our children and our wives and our families. It may be that he's, you'll even hear some of the things spoken of above in your prayer closet. But most often, when you are in your prayer closet, you're going to hear things that are for your life or that of your family. And these words are for you and you alone. You see, while they may be profound to you and you'll remember them all your life, they really don't mean as much to somebody else and they'll soon be forgotten by them. Let's look at a few examples. And let me say, you don't find many examples of this in Scripture because these are personal words. They weren't spoken. But it doesn't mean God wasn't speaking to people. It was men just knew that these were words for themselves and they didn't run out and speak them. But let's look. I found one example in Matthew chapter 1. He says, this is how the birth of Yeshua, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to marry home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Yeshua because he will, be, he will save his people from their sins. Wow. This is kind of close to what I'm talking about. The angel tells Joseph that the child Mary carries is the work of the Holy Spirit and that she actually carries the Savior of the world, the Messiah. Now let me ask you something. Do you suppose he got up the next Sabbath, ran to the synagogue, and said, The Lord showed me I should marry Mary because she's going to give birth to the Savior. Not my child, mind you, but it's the work of the Spirit. I think not. This was a word for Joseph himself to comfort him and give him understanding to Joseph. Let's look at another. Same situation, different person. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give his name Yeshua. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will reign on the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. So 
again, let me ask you this. Do you suppose Mary went running to the synagogue on the next Shabbat, stood up and said, hey, everyone, the Lord told me that I was going to give birth to a baby, and I'm, even though I'm a virgin, because this is the work of the Spirit of God, and he's going to be the Son of God. You suppose she did that? Of course not. If she had, the whole story would have ended up different because she would have ended up in a stony field with a few stones. Right? This was a word for her. And this is what I'm talking about. Sometimes we get words that are just for us. So these are words that God spoke for them alone. And yes, they're later revealed to us in Scripture through Luke. By the Spirit, they were written down. You know, and maybe Mary sometime in her life spoke that what the Lord had told her to Joseph and Joseph had spoken to what the Lord had spoke to him to Mary. Maybe they even shared it with a few friends after a while and some of the disciples after 30-some years, right? Well, let me say, if you are a person of prayer, you can get these kind of words directing your life. You can get them today. And if you don't have this type of relationship, I have a study that I'm going to do soon on prayer that will teach you how to receive these things, teach you how to become that kind of person in prayer. But the point is, if you receive these things in your prayer closet, you have to discern, is this a word for me alone or is it a word that will benefit all? And nine times out of ten, it's going to be a word for you alone. People confuse this oftentimes with words of knowledge, wisdom, and prophecy. Hearing in prayer does not make you a prophet, nor are nearly all the words you hear to be spoken. They're for you. And what has happened in our day is that people are speaking these things. They're saying, the Lord showed me to wear this today. The Lord showed me not to drink Diet Coke or eat French fries. Until the phrase is, is often, in a lot of people, is like another part of speech. It just comes out of their mouth with everything. And before long, they confuse the things the Lord may speak to them in their prayer closet with their own ideas, right? You know, sometimes you can confuse your own thoughts with what you're hearing from the Lord. You need to check them. I had to check mine, right? I've heard people say things like, the Lord told me that this person is going to be healed only to have the person die a few weeks later or months later. That was someone confusing their own compassion, their own longing for a friend or relative with a word from the Lord. Check your words. Amen? I'm trying to re-impress on you today just how carefully we should use the Lord's name or say the Lord said. Phrase, the Lord showed me or told me. Because if you use it, it wasn't the Lord, but it was your own thoughts, you fall under this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. If you use his name to add credibility to your words, you've misused the name. And I'm trying to impress on you how easy it is to misuse the name. I don't want to discourage you from its proper use, the use of the gifts. If the phrase comes to your mind, the Lord showed me in a conversation, and you think the, the phrase comes up in your mind that you're going to say, the Lord showed me, right away a flag should go up. And you should catch yourself and ask yourself, was this a word for me alone? 
Is this for sure a word that the Lord gave me? If not, wait until you are sure. And God forbid that I should discourage anyone from operating in the gifts that God gives. I want to see these things within our community. I do, however, see the other side of the coin as well. Let's be a people who operate in the gifts of God, a people of discernment who understand the gravity of the words the Lord said or the Lord showed me or the Lord told me, remembering that the gifts are for the community and the prayer closet most often are for you alone. 